Hey everyone, KYT here to talk to you about a piece of software that's under development called MTG X-Ray. MTG X-Ray is a desktop app that's designed to help you make better deck building decisions. So instead of just looking at the amount of mana symbols and let's say your seal pool to come up with the best land distribution, this actually is programmed with a lot of magic rules and goldfishes by itself to figure out the best land count for your seal deck and how it's supposed to be configured. Now the people behind MTG X-Ray need your feedback. So if you're on Windows, go to the Windows Store and search up MTG X-Ray to try it out. You can also find a lot more information on YouTube by searching MTG X-Ray. And it currently supports importing and exporting on MTG Arena. So you should definitely try it out and the people behind the software are really enthusiastic about coming up with ways to improve it. And with that, enjoy the show. Live for the first episode of First Strike in 2019. This is KYT. Before we start the show, we're going to plug, as always, our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com. Check out their website for their weekly deal. And starting this Saturday, it's the beginning, it's the inaugural event of the 2019 season. I don't know, I'm doing a Rand accent. <laughs> first Open Plus, Toronto Open Plus. Lots of good stuff. More prizes than last year. $2,000 in store credit prizes to the champion. And there's going to be $40 UMA draft. So those of you who aren't interested in playing modern, playing the main event, let's check it out. Lots of value. I think 40 bucks is a price point that attracts a lot of players to come down and play. So for more information, go to f2fseries.facetofacegames.com. Tonight, Packed House. Got almost everyone uh, that's been on in the past little while. And we've got a few people that qualified for the Mythic Championships in, you know, two people, at least two people in here. I qualified not too long ago. First of all, I'm going to welcome our guests outside of uh, our regulars, Andy, Derek, Elliot, John. Welcome, Marcus, Ebo to the show. How's it going? And uh, your post. I, I had not known that it's taken you so many years. I think you mentioned 14 years to finally get to the PT. But what a, what a way to get in and what a time to get in. When it means when there's more money on the line than ever before. Uh, yeah, it sounds more depressing the more I think about it. <laughs> so long. Uh, but I mean, what's the what's the term? Uh, a fine wine ages nicely. I don't know. <laughs> Takes time. Magic's hard. Magic is hard. And what event did you take down to get yourself a seat at the Mythic Championship? I believe it's called the MCQ now. I don't actually know what it's called, but it's the old school PTQ on Magic Online. There's like 230 some odd people, which is actually pretty small for a modern PTQ. So, I mean, that was nice. Still nine rounds. Uh, and yeah, I took down, took down that. So they just call it an MCQ, but it's just a regular style, big ass PTQ where, where winner qualifies and that's it. No, no one else wins anything, much of anything rather. Uh, no, actually, second place still got like a foil set on Moto of guilds, uh, like a hundred and some odd packs, and I think like four hundred play points or whatever. So they still won like four hundred, five hundred dollars. So it's not you know that bad. 
I mean, obviously it would suck, but <laughs> I've been there that's, enough to feel it. That's that's pretty awesome. Like, how do you, how do you qualify for this? Is it did anything change? Uh, not really. It's just the same old, same old. Honestly, they like as soon as I won, the they sent me like an email being like, "Can you give us all your information?" Blah blah blah. I don't actually win a flight there. Uh, I win. What was it? Uh, I get inf- qualified for the. I think it's like a challenge or whatever. Basically, if you just show up, you get fifteen hundred dollars, and then uh, you play like a best of three or four, and then the more you win, the more I think you win moto packs. So basically, you just get fifteen hundred dollars for showing up. So that's basically your plane ticket. Okay. When we last had you on the show, you talked about how you were trying many different things in modern. What did you play, and how did you end up settling on that deck? Uh, I've been playing Tron for a long time. I've played in, I think, five GPs in a row, just playing only Tron. And I came 11 and 4 in all of them, uh, going X and 1 or better in every single one. Uh, I think the deck's always good. It's just the fact that you can always just... There, there's no other deck, I feel, that you can just come out of nowhere and just always win, no matter what matchup it is. I've played against countless terrible matchups, uh, you know, I played against KCI in the in the Swiss, just destroyed it 2-0, like, not even remotely close. Uh, I played against Storm in the semifinals, beat that 2-0. I played against all sorts of terrible matchups, where, like, 90% of the, you know, metagame is just matchups, right? You play terrible matchup, oh, they drew their stony silence, oh, they had their, you know, whatever sideboard card, and the game is over. I played against countless, like... Uh, you know, full mirror mages, blood moons, counter spells. Uh, my opponent in the semi uh, quarterfinals had it was playing a weird deck. It was uh, Grix's Kiki Jiki combo, um, and he had like Field of Rune, Ceremonies Rejection, like all these sorts, sort all the sorts of cards. And I still won just because sometimes you just have like these busto draws and you just can't be beaten. Like turn three Karn, mine assault, you know, win the game. Yeah, I've been playing Tron for a long time. I'm Tron guy. <laughs> but John, John keeps telling me he ha- he's never been able to find success with that deck, right, John? Yeah, I can never win with that deck. Um, um, I think I know how to play it well, but I don't know. I think some people just aren't meant to play certain decks. and uh, it, might, it might be the style. It might be... I don't know. I clearly haven't. You you were too too far in the school of Grizzle Brand to come to the the school of Karn. You know, it, it doesn't translate very well. <laughs> John, John, have you been uh, playing modern since we last talked? No, I haven't really played a uh, modern um, since uh, GP Portland. I haven't had any reasons to, unfortunately. I'd love to make the face to face game uh, event uh, January, late January, I think, in Vancouver, but I'll be out of town, so. Uh, I'll, I'll let someone else win it. I know. Hey, hopefully Marcus will take it down with, with, with some trying goodness. Uh, Andy, Andy, you just bought the KCI deck. What are your thoughts on the format? People are uh, calling for its, uh, call it for its head. Yeah, and those calls are ridiculous. They should leave it alone. <clears throat> but uh, I do understand the hate. I understand the hate. It's like it feels bad to like because when you lose, it just like takes a while, and you just sit there watch your opponent like taking game actions until you're dead, and that's an unpleasant experience. But uh, not a lot of people play the deck, and it's still putting up strong results. So it sort of reminds me of uh, Amulet Titan, uh, like with the Summer Bloom. 
So that kind of frightens me where like not a lot of people play it because it's complicated, but it just like does well with the few people who do play it. So I hope I hope it doesn't get banned, but I knew going in that I was buying a deck that was uh like could get banned in the in the year. I think it said that Nat Nass in live events has like an over eighty five win percentage in GPs, which is kind of absurd, obviously. Yeah, that's it's ridiculous. I was really hoping he would win. Just just for the last, like three in a row, I think it would have been. I was hoping he would win so uh they would be more inclined to ban it. And uh, I was not I was not the only one. There was still four in the top eight, you know, that's plenty. I think the most played deck of the at the tournament was Band Spirits, I wanna say. It was either Band Spirits or is it yep. Phoenix? Twelve percent uh twelve percent day two Phoenix is uh ten percent uh day two. I think uh, the Band Spirit matchup is still pretty bad, but Phoenix ones should be pretty good. Should be okay. They have to have like a super fast clock plus disruption, which they don't have a ton of. They have like some discard the set not discard spells, they have some abrades and like uh surgicals, and that's about it. And those are Fairly easy to play around, honestly. If you if they have like no clock, which unless they have exactly like double phoenix early or you know, thing on the ice, they don't have any clock. It's just like the classic Grixis uh, death shadow: just spin your wheels with a million cantrips and do nothing. There's some some uh, interesting takes uh, on Twitter, uh, notably Saffron Olive. I'm starting to wonder if Clark Clan Ironworks still being legal in Modern's Wizards attempt to push people away from Modern and towards Standard Plus on MTG Arena. Modern has a lot of broken decks, but KCI is in is its own special kind of awful for viewers and players. And to that, Seti P, my man Seti P, Cedric Phillips, countered that with um, later on in the conversation. At no point did I say Ironworks is okay for the format. I've been actively calling for it to be banned since Pro Tour 25. I said it isn't having a negative impact from metrics that Watsi would care about, interest, attendance, and conversation, all of which is true. Byron Works was causing people to stop attending tournaments or actively making people not want to play in or talk about modern. That would be one thing. That's absolutely not the case here. So we just saw this past weekend, given attendance, viewership, and conversation. I'm actually surprised about that because um, I think, Andy, me and you just think it's the terrible player experience. I, I think we've compared it multiple times on this show to something like like you mentioned that Amulet Bloom, but I'm thinking about like why Ags was bad, because it wasn't that interesting for the opponent. But uh, the metrics that Seti P is bringing up is kind of interesting. Well, like KCI has loops, thank God. Otherwise, it would be banned, I think. Like the loops make it like a more pleasant experience because you can just tell their, your opponent they're dead. No force horsemen. Pardon? No, no four horsemen deck. Yeah, exactly. But um, I think what makes KCI so powerful is that just like any other like linear combo deck, what it se- what separates it from them is that it is the best at fighting through hate because all of its combo pieces cycle. So I think that's why it just does so well. It's just the best at beating hate. And uh, si- plenty of Psy is pretty unreasonable as not only a uh, anti-hate card, but also it's also an engine card as well. And some decks, like if Grixis Death Shadow, for example, doesn't uh, ever draw a team or battle rage, you can chump it for days and, you know, wait, wait to draw your hate or EE to blow up their shadows, etc. And it's just a, win con- a good win condition, period. So, um, Psy is excellent, and I, I've been saying this for a while. I think if you really care about winning, um, and only winning, then you're, you're making a mistake uh, not playing, uh, learning KCI. 
Yes, Sai is absolutely ridiculous in KCI. Like, if you watched any of the coverage this weekend, you saw how busted, like, you're seeing players beat double rest in peace and, like, just without even drawing nature's claims, they just go over the top of it with Sai and just playing artifacts and drawing some cards. And the fact that Sai lets you draw cards through, like, all of the hate is just super powerful. Like, being able to draw cards when you're trying to find some answers to hate cards is just... And it can also kill your opponent. It just it does everything. Like it's a, this is a subtle point, but if uh, in case people haven't noticed, for example, the Eli Cassis uh, list has uh, had a multi-format all-star flame slash, for example. That's not that's not only for the mirror match and killing um, Stainy Ice, but I'm perfectly sure that the other consideration was you know um, against Sai and uh, just trying to have a burn spell that actually can kill that problematic card as well. So um, it's. Uh, it could be, I mean, I wouldn't say it's warping because in a modern tournament, like, no deck's going to be, like, more, more than 10 or 15%, but you, you certainly are seeing, like, the effect it can have on, like... Uh, Marcus, remind, remind me why you still uh, play Tron over KCI? Uh, so the main reason is I actually played KCI a bunch. Like, I tried it out. I proxied it and, like, goldfished it a ton. I tried to play it on Moto. I played it in a real-life event, and just, like... I weren't. I wasn't getting these like crazy busto draws that I was always playing against or seeing. It's just like I would kind of just like dirtle around and just never draw my KCI, or they would just have like any piece of interaction, and I would just lose because I just don't have anything. I mean, obviously, like obviously, it's it's results oriented, but it's just like a lot of the times I just never found uh, it to be as powerful as like everybody said it was. I believe it was. Uh, with the public enemy, don't believe the hype, you know? Uh, but it's a good deck, don't get me wrong. It's, like, real, real good. But I just wasn't getting the results that everybody else was getting, so I just didn't enjoy playing it. That was pretty much it. I mean, I think a lot of magic is just, like, play what you enjoy playing. Uh, I found it in throughout the years I've been playing. That has uh, a lot of success to me. Like, all of my successes in, in Grand Prix and tournaments are decks I enjoy playing in the long run. And I know that uh, you shouldn't get caught up on just like play your pet deck or play this deck, but a lot of times it just helped me because I enjoy the matches and I enjoy playing it rather than being like, burn's the best deck, I'll play that. And then just like, okay, flab spike you, bored, like my tournament's over in five minutes because I either O2'd or, you know, I'm out in the lobby trying to get food because I'm just bored out of my mind because my match is done in five seconds. Also, there's just like no, there's no gameplay. <laughs> so uh, it is interesting. KCI hasn't uh, been as explosive for you, and somehow, you know, John can't can't win with Tron despite his, his uh, multiple attempts. <laughs> I mean, it's modern, honestly, man. Anything could win. I I lost to uh, Kiki Jiki Splinter, uh, like Kiki Jiki combo in the Swiss. I was just like, sure, yeah, all right, yeah. Like, I don't see how that deck wins that against anything, but I mean, it's modern. Man, you could play against anything. Like I played, I played no Bant Spirits in the Swiss. I played no Phoenix in the Swiss. I played no Dredge. I played humans like four times. And it was just like, okay, I guess. Like, but it, it's modern. You could play against anything. Like the top eight was Storm, Kikijiki, uh, like Double Tron. It's just like all the decks you weren't seeing in any other tournaments. But it was just like, it's modern. Like, uh, what was it? there was a top eight with merfolk in it a while ago it's just like sure why not (laughs) you can play anything honestly at the end of the day as long as your deck has like a streamlined idea and not just trying to just like dirtle around like i i think 
just sky control is abysmal, but people still play it. Right. And then I've never seen anybody do well with it except for on star city games for some reason, but like people still play that deck or people still play, I don't know, living end, like just like anybody can play anything. And, and that's, I think that's the major appeal to modern where you're just like, I like doing this thing. I'm going to do it forever because it's probably not going to get banned and I could just have fun playing a tournament and I could still probably win because it's modern. You have a sideboard, there's lots of hate cards where it doesn't matter which matchup you're playing against, you can always win for the most part unless it's just like ad nauseum versus infect or you know something ridiculous like that. So I think that's a lot of appeal and why all these modern tournaments are so popular and maybe that's like why all the pro players don't like modern because it's too random, I guess. Okay. Before last thing, before we move on from modern Marcus, for anyone picking up your list, is there any like thing they should know about your, your cyborg decision, uh, cyborg choices rather before they just bring it on to like the open plus or something this weekend? Sure. Uh, so most of the uh, sideboarding is pretty basic if you've ever played Tron before. But if you're just picking up the deck for the first time, uh, a lot of the things is uh, you just have to know what cards are good in what matchups. Like a lot of people think Wormcoil Engine is just a slam dunk against any aggro matchup like Bant Spirits or Humans, but it's actually not very good because they have access to Reflector Mage and uh, the uh, Phantasmal Image. So you don't really want to give them a 6 6 like lifelinking, get two guys after I kill it thing. And a lot of the times it just doesn't do enough. They have flyers to get around it. They have reflector mage to bounce it. So I, that card gets cut and you wouldn't think of it. You'd be like, well, you want the 6-6 six, six lifelinker on turn three, right? It's not actually very good where the most important cards in the matchup are walking ballista, Ugin, and Ostone. And your various removal spells in the sideboard. So a lot of it is just like knowing your matchups, which is basically modern in general. Uh, also, another key thing, if you ever play against the Mirror Match, bring in Thrive Tusk. Uh, it doesn't sound like it'd be very good, but 90% of the time, the matchup devolves into Ghost Quartering your opponent, and you just play like a Cripple Fight, and your Thrive Tusks are much better than your uh, Ula, not your Ulogs, your uh, Worm Coil Engines, because if they Karn it, you still get a 3-3 and can kill your Karn. Uh, same with uh, O-Stone and stuff like that. It's just like a good, solid creature. And uh, a lot of the times, people just don't bring it in. And then, for example, in the finals, I won because of Thrag Dusk. So. That's awesome. That's not like super, I guess, first level intuitive to know that. So yeah. that's awesome advice. There's like a lot of inj- like small things. Like you keep in Relic of Progenitus in the matchup, whereas that card doesn't seem very good. But 90% of the Tron decks have uh, Surgical Extraction. So you just keep, put it in play and you just don't do anything with it. And you just, if they kill your Tron land and try an extraction, you just like Relic yourself and then exile the card they target. Or worst case scenario, you can just cantrip it. And it's not the worst thing of all time. You have a lot of dead cards in the matchup, so obviously you just want cards that actually do things. So, like I said, it's just most of modern. Just know your matchups. Just practice. No study. Like even just get right before the tournament, just like a piece of paper, and just be like, things to do, sideboarding guide. It's not that difficult. It takes like twenty minutes, if that, and you should be doing it anyways for any tournament. So, sweet, sweet. Thanks for the insight, Marcus. Now let's jump. Someone else like that qualified for the Mythic Champion hashtag. Crying Ginger, and you have no idea, uh, Ginger. I know you know that you, you get hate from listeners. I don't know if you know how much how much hate you get from from the first rate listeners. That people just can't stand how cocky you are about uh, standard, about black green, and so many times, like me, Andy, and John were like crying to each other. It was like 
people hate him, but he's our boy and he, and he knows what he's talking about. And we just uh, defend you to the core. And it's good to have you crush it at the GP. Obviously, you didn't top eight, but like the results, people will know how, how well you actually did crush it. And then to see you crush it again, um, it's just, you know, the whole team, the whole chat was really, we were just ecstatic. Uh, for you and just to see you uh, overcome with emotion the second time you qualify that was interesting to me i think for me qualifying twice as well the first time was just like oh my god it's giant relief and the second time was more like okay okay i'm back so uh derek please tell us uh tell us about your emotion there and why you cried. I, uh, I didn't know that i i caught so much hate i didn't i didn't realize that people didn't like me that much i i mean like <laughs> I, I went I winning, right? Like I, I, I don't know why people are so upset. Uh like I'm, I'm be, giving I'm giving this free information to you so you can get better and you're just throwing it in my face, but that's fine. Um yeah, the the whole the whole experience was very surreal to me. Um I woke up the morning, didn't really know what like didn't know what the mox finals was. I'd never played in one before. It was my first time qualifying for one. I think I played uh, two. So the qualification is there's Mox Quarters, Mox Finals, and then Mox Opens. Mox Quarters queue you for Mox Finals, if I correctly, or Mox Monthlies queue you for Finals, and you have to six two or better to queue for the final. And then if you queue for the final, if you do well, like for the first two, queue for the Magic Online Championship Series, which is a 24-person event with a 200,000 prize pool. And I get 5K for showing up. Um, and I also qualified for the Pro Tour. So these events are like pretty big and pretty difficult. And I didn't really realize what it was. I just thought it was like a, like a, a point system because there's, there's another, there's a points leaderboard. And if you get, if you're in the top seven points or eight points, you qualify for the mocks. So I Googled what the prize was and it didn't say anything about qualifying for the mocks. So I tweeted that morning, would it be stupid to double queue the, the modern challenge with KCI and the Mox final? And somebody responded to me like, no, do it. And I'm like, huh, if somebody's telling me to do it, I probably shouldn't do it. And so I like dug a little deeper and found out that like this qualifies me for the pro tour and all these things. And I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't double queue a PTQ because that's just stupid. Like, why would I want to double queue a PTQ? And so I had sold all my standard cards to buy into Arena. So I uploaded a deck list from one of my logs, and it was actually wrong. I had two Vrasus Contempts in the sideboard when one of them was supposed to be a Carnage Tyrant for the mirror. And I just, like, played the wrong deck list. And after round one, I go to sideboard because I'm playing the mirror. <laughs> and, and I noticed there's not a Carnage Tyrant in my sideboard. And I'm, like, in my room, like, screaming, like, how did I screw this up? This is so dumb of me. And then I just like crush the whole event. And I like, look at my, my deck list. I'm like, it's wrong. Like people are going to look at this list and be like, Oh, Ginger's a genius. I'm like, no, no, no. Like there's a sideboard card. That's wrong. Like this, this isn't right. Like, uh, and when I, uh, when I call it, like when I won the second match, it was just sort of like, not only am I back on the tour, but Qualifying for the mock, like the mocks is the biggest magic online event ever. 
Like it's, it's just so big, 24 people. Like, you know who Budakov is because he's won it. And like Raptor had, I don't know if Raptor would be in the hall of fame or like if he would get as many votes, if he didn't have his finish at the mocks when he won it, because he only had three PT top eights. And like, people are looking at this event. Like it's, it's one of the hardest events. You look at, you look at the 24 people that are qualified and there are some very difficult players. And you, you ask people who, who, um, who, like, what, what event would you want to play in the most? And it's like worlds and the mocks. Cause like, those are the two like largest events. And I just happened to spike one and I get to qualify now. And it's like absolutely insane. It like feels so validating. Uh, like you said, like people are sending me hate mail and I just crush it with the deck that I've put time and effort no, in. No, we get the, Andy and I get the hate mail. We just, oh, you get the hate mail. Yeah, that's fine. Filter to you and, and that's why you don't feel like there's that many haters, but it's oh, like, yeah, like send, send, send them my way. Like, <laughs> I stand for you. Yeah. Like who, who are they? I don't, I can't see them. You know, <laughs> if I don't know who these people, if they aren't like telling me their hate, I'm never going to hear it. You know? So I don't know to, to me, like, it's going to be unreal. We, we, it's in Seattle where the Wizards uh, headquarter is. Uh, I think I watched part of it last year. Um, they, I think I did a tour of the Wizards headquarter. Uh, we get to hang out in the, the building. and You also get a sweet jersey if they're still Oh, there. yeah. Has my with name your, on it. Yeah, with your, with your moto name on it. It's going to yeah. have a nice place ginger on the back of it. That's yeah. like, I want that so bad. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's, it's sweet. Like I get 5k for showing up and I get to qualify for London. Uh, it's just, it was great. The real question is though, are we doing it live? Oh, we'll be doing it live. All right. We'll be out here. Uh, a lot of people think that they're out here and a lot of people think they're doing it live. They're not doing it live and they're not here. <laughs> not even close. Is there more mis- misplaced uh, ginger vlog come actually coming up? Yes. If I, uh, I, I have, like, I have the recording of, what is it, Milwaukee and Montreal, but it, it's not, I just haven't done it. I'm just lazy. But it, when we go to Seattle and London, well, I'll probably do GP Toronto too. I might just spin them all together. Hopefully KCI isn't banned. But yeah. So, so what have you been doing since, since your big win? Have you been grinding modern, standard, or you take a big celebration break? What's, um, what's, uh, what's been on your mind? I took a little bit of a break. Uh, it was sort of like very relieving to like achieve something and just you know, take, take a step back for um, a little bit. But then I, I just hopped on Arena, grinded to Mythic. Um, I got up to Mythic 4, like the fourth spot on Mythic, and then I... I went on a real big cooler today and I'm like 190 something or whatever. It's pretty bad. Um, and then I've been playing KCI on uh, Moto. Uh, they haven't announced the mocks format yet, so I have no idea uh, what I should be playing or what I should be learning. Um, I've been thinking about trying to learn Legacy a bit, watching a couple Legacy streams so I can try to qualify through uh, the Legacy challenges. And the vintage challenges, which is like down the line, but for the most part, just um, yeah, learning magic, trying to play as much magic as possible, trying to keep in the zone, you know. So should people play like 
your correct list of black weed? <laughs> Is that uh, what I mean, I don't, I don't really know <laughs> what, what relevant events are left for standard. Um, if you're playing best of one, I have a best of one version on my Twitter, which like, isn't that tuned. Cause I don't really care. Um, the RPQ. Hmm? The RPQ? The RPQ coming up. Isn't that after the release? Uh, it's after the new set. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's real. like, I would love to say that black Green's the best deck, but I'm not that much of a savant. So I'll just, uh, I'll just wait a bit and, uh, let everybody know in a month. But yeah, I mean, Playing an extra Carnage Tyrant, like playing three Carnage Tyrants, you're 75 is probably correct. I wouldn't hedge away from that, but for the most part, like you can't really go wrong. There's no real events for you to test for or anything. Hmm. Righty. Uh, Marcus, have you taken a look at, at the new list, uh, new set rather? Are you one of those guys that, that get excited about the new cards early, or do you wait for the set to be released before digging your hands in? I usually wait until all the cards are out, but I mean, obviously, you still have to take a look at it. Uh, especially, I'm going to the face-to-face open in Vancouver, and it'll be legal. It's literally the day of its legality, so it's possible that cards from it go to modern. I don't think a lot of it will, considering it's a standard set for the most part, but I mean, you never know. People might play with the new birthing pod or with uh, you know whatever they feel like, honestly. I figured they probably won't, because it's literally day of, but who knows? <laughs> Uh, has there been a, a specific card that's caught your eye? Uh, yeah, like there's car- maybe not for modern, but there's a lot of good cards in there. Like, it uh, just got spoiled today. The new uh, Outpost Siege uh, Vance's Blasting Cannons, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, can't remember what it's called. Theater of Horrors? Yeah, that card. It's like, you know, if you keep exile top card during your turn, if an opponent has lost life, you can play the card exiled from it. And, but it doesn't have to be this turn. So you just play them like, 50 turns later, as long as it's they're damaged. And it also has, I think it's four mana ping. I think it's a, not a, just a player, just, like, ping a player. So it's a late-game engine uh, for any of your aggro decks, and it just seems, like, really good. Uh, there's also, there's, like, a lot of cards that just have build around me stamped on their forehead, but obviously it's standard, so everybody, for the first, like, two or three weeks, are just going to play a bunch of piles where they're going to play their... Tezia Karlovs and their Panharmonicon effects and uh, I don't know, Murpho could probably get played. I have no clue. Like it's 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 week one of standard. Anything's going to be played. I'm sure people are going to play the hell out of uh, Turbo Fog because of the, <laughs> the enchantment. Elliot, Elliot, let's get you in here. Uh, what are some of your earlier thoughts? Some of your favorite cards? And uh, what do you think of Theater of Horrors? Uh, I think that enchantment's like generally unplayable. I think it's just like much worse than Experimental Frenzy, which we already have access to. And it's like sort of just worse than Frexian Arena a lot of the time, in my opinion. So I'm, I won't be looking to play that card personally. Uh, I'm pretty excited for the Fog deck and the Fog cards. I think Andy said he's going to talk about that later. Um, kind of the two cards that I had earmarked to talk about were Kaya's Wrath, which is white, white, black, black, destroy all creatures. You gain life equal to the number of creatures you control that were destroyed this way. Uh, so obviously, like a four mana wrath is huge for standard. Uh, like we have settle the wreckage now, but there's already effects that beat settle, and it's pretty telegraphed and easy to play around. So it, I think having access to this for white, black, and esper decks really huge. Um, 
I even tweeted at Frank Carson within like 30 seconds of seeing it spoiled. Like, is it possible to play this new wrath and like a sinister sabotage or a, a cancel effect in the same deck? And he said, it's like pretty close and like passable. So I'm pretty excited to see if Esper's control is going to be a thing. Obviously getting all of the white black cards, you know, they got absorb also the Azorius cards. Uh, like they're going to be getting a bunch of new stuff. The real question now is like whether something like a Danto Vanguard is just enough to make Esper still unplayable. Um, so I think that's going to be really the thing to look for Esper control at the very least is whether whether the new tools beat a Danto Vanguard. That's really all that matters. Um, and the other card I want to talk about was Rhythm of the Wild, which I guess is another card that could beat Esper control. I think this card's like fantastic. And if it, a red-green deck exists, it's going to play a bunch of them. It's a one red green for an enchantment that says your creature spells can't be countered and non-token creatures have a riot. So if you're playing a deck like a bunch of fatties, maybe some dinosaurs from Ixalan block, you're going to be get, getting hasty carnage tyrants, some hasty dinosaurs. Uh, you know, like there's a region Regisaur Alpha is so, so important for the dinosaur decks when they've kind of popped up in previous standards. And that's, you know, carnage tyrants great, but a carnage tyrant haste is so much better. Uh, and so... The fact that it like kind of naturally curves into these big heavy hitting dinosaurs, I think it's really huge. Um, so those are the two cards outside of the fog cards that I'm really looking towards playing. And those like, you know, Marcus was saying there are a couple cards that are screaming build around to him. I think these ones, these ones are screaming build these decks to me. And not too much, honestly. This set isn't too too powerful in my opinion. I think it's a lot of just like additives to the net of like the decks that are right now. Like there's a couple cards that probably might spawn decks like uh Judith Scourge Diva or uh you know the Prime Speaker Vagana or whatever their name is. Like those cards might make new decks, but I think a lot of it is just like just jam it in your your pre existing deck. Like everybody's playing emergency powers or everybody's playing, you know, the cards for fog or put Bedevil in your deck and you can play Junt or something, right? They just make like your decks a bit better. That's usually what the secondary sets were back in the day, where they were just like smaller sets that it just like added on to the, the core existing sets. But obviously it's you know different printings. Like there's a bunch of Queet sweet cards. Was it uh Pestilent Spirit? That card's sweet. Yeah Elliot you you, you had mentioned uh, and both of you have mentioned how um the set isn't doesn't seem that Powerful, and I, I think I've been seeing tweets that the set overall isn't as exciting or worth as much financially. And but then I saw some tweet this morning of one of my one of the people I follow was really excited, and it's because uh, they're they're a very devoted Orzov player, and they're really uh, excited to get all these new Orzov tools. Um, Elliot, Elliot, do you think you get that impression as well? It's just like you said. I don't think cards are worth that much. Is what I, I'm reading. I haven't even I haven't taken a look at the hard numbers at the uh, at the face to face games prices that that I have access to. Uh, but maybe I will tonight. Well, the only card, the only pre-order card I've like seen the price of is the Shocklands and Bedevil. And I think Bedevil, like when I checked it originally, was at nine dollars. So I'm I looking at the mythics that we've had spoiled so far, I don't think any of them are going to be like Teferi or Karn, where they're just immediately very expensive cards. You know, like, I don't think any of them are going to be up to like $30, $40. Spawn of Mayhem's like a, a pretty powerful mythic, so maybe it's like a $20 card. Uh, but I, I would expect if you're getting value in this set, it's going to be 
from things in like the seven to ten dollar range in other rares. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, the set has caused like Nexus of Faith to double in price. There's a mythic from Rivals of Ixalan that I don't know the name of that deals with uh, creatures dying, and then you make counters because it gets plus one plus one counters, like a Lendra something. And that card's like now twenty something US or something close to that. So I don't know if um, the set's like totally unexciting from a financial perspective. The like Alendra card I was talking about was a pretty obvious build around if there's like an aristocrat style deck, which I think a lot of people may have anticipated. So if you were stocking up on those, you look like a genius. Uh, and anytime you have a set like this, that's super build around. It's going to, I think it's more likely to cause other cards to go up in price. Mm, you know, you look sense. at prime speaker Vanifar, which is the pod creature Marcus mentioned. And, you know, this is going to turn a bunch of like fringe playable or border or previously almost unplayable modern cards. And, and, maybe make a tier two or tier three deck out of them. And your voice of resurgence was reprinted in the past couple of years, but before that it was like a $40 card. So how much, how much can voice of resurgence cost if now there's a tier two deck that plays four of it? Um, and that's, I mean, at least from my perspective, that's what I think about in terms of the set for like a finance perspective in terms of impact on standard. I, I think the biggest impact is going to be uh, definitely just the shock lands. Like the three color decks are going to add a, a card or two probably and maybe you have a, like a, a red green or an orzov deck who knows but it's, i think the big the big gain is going to be the shock lands okay t- tell me about all this fog love uh, andy i love fog <clears throat> let's start there so uh, i've been playing a lot of arena lately just like derek and in best of one fog is actually pretty damn good because nobody gets to sideboard for your cards that are like that are relatively easily hated out sometimes so nobody gets the sideboard so it's really good there but the first card i think that i saw spoiled or that really caught my eye was growth spiral the blue green draw card you can put a land into your hand into play and it's an instant so i think that that card right there could really help uh like the, the deck become more explosive and it cycles so that's kind of both the things that the deck really wants to do. So I'm really excited to see that happen because it gives you something good to do after Teferi. It gives you a good turn to play that isn't just, just regular cycle. Like I've been playing Revitalize because it just cycles and is some splash damage against red. But if you're a turn faster, you don't need the three life. And uh, the card that is the potentially the most powerful is Wilderness Reclamation. So it's a three and a green for a, an enchantment. That at your your end step, just untap all your lands. So so this is one of those cards that it's either going to be like incredibly busted or it's going to be absolutely terrible. There's like very there's a little room for it to be in between. It's either going to be like the best card you've played. Like getting access to that much mana is just it's like one of the few cho- like uh, choking points for the fog deck. So being able to have all that mana means maybe now you can play four chemistry's insight, or you can play uh, some more of the new Jace's ingenuity, or maybe you could start playing uh, even that the new seven mana uh, draw. What's it called? Oh yeah, the time twister thing. So maybe you can play that. And I think what it does is uh, and, and then I started thinking about it with like search for Escanta. 
Like that sounds absolutely busted. Like the end game of Teferi plus uh, Search Press Cantle was already like unbeatable and like wanted made you want to concede the game immediately. But just imagining with Teferi and it just doing it three times a turn and having access to ten mana on turn five, it's like twelve mana the next turn, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. It has me uh, hopeful that the power level of the fog deck can. Uh, maybe overcome how easily it can be hated out now that the power level of a lot of its cards is going up. So that's where my hope is at. It's not fun to play against, but I don't care. <laughs> KCI and Fog. Yeah, KCI. yeah you're going to be the enemy. Um, man, no, no, take, take away the, uh, the Geist bag nickname and come up with this new one. Um, Derek, have you had a chance to look at some of the new cards and uh, pick any favorites? Yeah. Uh, my two favorites that I pick were, what is it, Bedevil? Is that how you pronounce it? And uh, the Frilled, the new Mystic Snake. Frilled Ooh. Mystic. Yeah, I think that card's sweet. Little Wizard Wizard. I think, uh, I think if everybody's trying to play Terrible Fog, you playing a counterspell that attacks your opponent is going to be really nice, um, simply because, like Andy said, um, there's going to be enough hate around, and the two best colors to beat an enchantment that also uh, requires high synergy is blue and green because you have enchant removal and counter spells. So you can sort of play this like tempo control game with a card like Frilled. Uh, I'll just call it Lizard Wizard. I don't even want to know the real name. You can just play a tempo game with that card and just like, oh, you're fogging or, oh, you have to ferry. Just like play a 3-2, untap, attack you for three, go. And then you sort of have this like, I don't know. It feels like you have better control over the game where there aren't many cards in the format that are like that right now. Like with green, black, you sort of are just like, okay, well, play my card and try and hope you don't have a wrath effect or... Uh, Play my Teferi. Hope you don't have an auto answer to it or put all my white weenie creatures into play and hope you don't have a wrath effect or something, right? <laughs> so I, I like I like this card because it gives you a bit of range. Um yeah. Have you seen anything that, that slots I guess not uh, any powerful cards that would slot straight into green black uh, even to test out? Um it's like really hard to say. The the biggest thing about this new set is the mana's a little fixed. So you could probably get away with playing um a couple different spells. Like maybe you want to play a Mortify um to get rid of those pesky enchantments or two. Cause like you have Assassin's Trophy, but it sort of has like you give your opponent a land, you know. Um so Mortify is interesting. Cry of the Carnarium is interesting, but I think maybe um, Golden Demise might still be better. It really depends on how much graveyard interaction matters. And uh, yeah, I think I think those two are the the most. Like everything else is just pretty mad. Like I think we've discussed this. The power level of this set seems pretty low right now. It's a lot more high synergy compared to just raw raw card power card power. I think there's a bunch of like comments and stuff like that that are pretty sweet. Like uh like Quench, just like Mana Leak Light. 
It's like that card seems pretty sweet. I don't think it's like amazing or anything like that because there was the the counter target non artifact card for two that didn't really see that much play. But I mean, it it all depends on how the format unfolds, right? Like there could just be some sweet blue black tempo deck that just like jams that, just plays the mono blue shell from last format, just jams some Gwenges in there. Maybe that's good. Like we don't know until the set's actually fully spoiled and people actually you know play. Maybe just like. Uh, Green black becomes a junt, play some bedevil and play some you know, uh I don't know. Any of the like Rakdos showstopper, why not? Just jam them in there. I mean it's obviously probably not great, but like there's just like a billion <laughs> options now because you have the full full fledged uh of all the all the lands, right? You have all the duels, all the the uh the check lands or whatever. Just like sorry not check lands, the uh shocks. Land, uh, you have the shock you have the shocks and you have the, the other one. What is it? But, buddy the yeah, the, the check lands or whatever. But yeah, you're just like, honestly, everybody's mana base is going to be absurd, so honestly, there's probably some weirdo five-color deck you people are going to probably play on day one. Just check out, you know, Ali Antrazi's probably playing it now, right now. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, maybe, maybe it's not as I'm getting older, but I'm not too excited about any of the new cards. Uh, I don't even see anything <laughs> really interesting. <laughs> To me, like Andy said in chat, nobody's hyped about the three mana planeswalkers. Yeah, they both kind of suck. Dominic's <laughs> not great. I just, I don't know. I like, I, there's like this, you can obviously tell that every card is extremely just not quite good enough. And I think that's uh, an overflow of the last two years of how everything was absolutely busted. And now everything can't be busted because we'll start to have a problem, which is sort of concerns me because they still printed Nexus of Fate. But like, I don't know, maybe maybe it's not as good as I think it is. Or maybe it's not as good as, like, I think Nexus of Fate is broken. I think that card is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how good the deck will actually be. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to not be excited, I guess. It's not like there was any, uh, you know, overpowered mythics in the last few years that made standard actually unplayable, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's why that's why all these cards suck. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's like a lot of the cards in this standard format are like sort of mopey, but like <laughs> kind of powerful. Like even in Golgari, which is like obviously a good deck. Like Murf- I hate Merfolk Branchwalker. That card stinks. It's bad. It's not a good card. Like, like Rangers not that good. We had it's this conversation so- pre-show. I said the four mana enchantment's bad because it doesn't generate card advantage and it doesn't actually do anything. And Elliot said, well, Wild Growth Walker's bad. And I said, yes, it's not a good card. I don't think Jade Light Ranger's a good card. I don't think Branch Walker's a good card. I think these cards work really well together. And I think that there's a lot less like raw power level in cards and there's just like high synergy. Um, like if you look at green black list from like week two of standard people were playing like three vivian three veraska if you look at them now no veraska three to four carnage tyrant it's like a complete shift the other way not saying that like carnage tyrant is better than veraska they just do different things right and i think that both of those cards are exceptionally medium but you need to pick what you want to play i feel the same way about niv Mizzet. like i think niv is a very good card but i think it still kind of sucks like it's not broken you know what I mean? Which is good. If that card was broken, I'd be very upset. But, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I just wanted to touch on your thought about Nexus of Fate. I do think Nexus of Fate was just very poorly designed. Like, having an instant speed time walk, like, one of the most important things that they did in the past was make these time walks exile themselves so nothing horrible could happen. It shuffles back in your library. And I, so when I first read it, I, I thought it said it goes on the bottom, which would be maybe okay. The fact that it just shuffles back in is just absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't even go to the graveyard. Like infinite turns, you they, can't even hate it. You can't get it. There are games where where you like I would be able to win against my opponent because they would either draw themselves out or they would have to loop to fairy because their only win condition is a card. And if you deal with the one card or like the one one like the white and shaman that makes one ones, you just deal with those cards. They can't win, but because they have nexus of fate and it shuffles in, they just can't lose. And like. Why does this card shuffle in? Like, put it to the graveyard. Like, yeah. doesn't even have to be exiled. You can get like soft locked into whose time is worth more in arena if you have no win conditions with Nexus of Fate, because you can just actually take turns forever. I on on uh, on Moto when the deck first broke, I was just like F six in game one, and people would take fifteen minutes because they couldn't kill me because they only had one win con, and then you would just duress them post board, and they wouldn't be able to beat you. And it was like, this, this deck is so abusable that, like, Wizards should be very, very, very happy that they didn't accidentally print something else that makes that deck a little bit better. Because if they did, it, they would have to ban it. And that'd be a bad look, banning a, a box. I feel like Growth Spiral and, like, so Growth Spiral, obviously just a very good card on its surface. Like, cycling and putting a land into play, pretty powerful. Like, we've seen that kind of stuff get played in Modern. Explore was bananas and standard when it was illegal. And uh, Wild Reclamation, though, is just so scary to me. Like, the power, the turns that it can generate on, like, turn four and five are some pretty frightening turns. And the fact that it's, like, the fact that it's a trigger, if they could find a way to, like, word it so it's not a trigger, then maybe it would be, like, safer and not abusable but now it's just sort of pretty abusable in its current state and i uh i wonder to see if nexus of fate may prove to be too good i doubt it but i, I you never know it's a powerful card i just uh i think with mortify specifically being printed assassin's trophy in the format and duress still around i don't think this card can really like it might get to a point where it looks overpowered but I don't think it'll reach that threshold of like bannable or like oppressive simply because we have good answers to it and the nature of the card. Like it's a four man enchantment that requires other investment that uh, you can't like, you can't be dead on turn four or you have to have it on turn four to win the game. You know what I mean? To me, like, sorry. It is pretty sick that you could just tap out for it on turn four and then untap your lands. Like the 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 fact that the investment is like so little sometimes if they don't have an instant speed answer is crazy. Like at yeah. least you get the four mana out of it, right? You're not just wildly like hurt on tempo like sometimes you get with uh, the gift of paradise against green black. Like if they like uh, Vraska or not Vraska, Vivian, the enchantment, you can get so put back pretty far in tempo. But this isn't even gonna put you far back on tempo, so I'm uh, I'm very skeptical about cards that are like this. Like I said, they they require high uh, high synergy and don't actually give you card advantage. Although they are enablers. So if we look at decks like Storm or KCI, you need enablers to make your your busted cards busted. 
So maybe this goes over the edge, but I don't think it will. Let's wrap up this section, John, before we reveal our exclusive preview card. John, what were some cards uh, from the Underground Dojo? <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to take a more uh, eternal approach here. And um, one card I think um, everyone um, uh, thinks will fit into several uh, top, top tier deck is the uh, Deputy of Detention. Basically, the Detention Sphere on a Stick 1 3 uh, for a generic blue white, I think. Um, I think this will fit right into uh, human, uh, the human deck and the band spirit deck, as well as any of the uh, band nightfall or, um, you know, we, we could have Vizier, Vizier company combo with um, Splash and Blue um, uh, as well. So it's, it's, it's just a, nice to have a catch-all that can be tutored uh, or filed in at instant speed. So this will, I think this will give a more, um, uh, more coverage on problematic uh, permanents. And the other card I'm excited, um, just going back to my true uh, roots of uh, being uh, the general combo player, is uh, Electro Dominance. Um, it's an XRR card. Um, it says, uh, it's an instant uh, card, and it says uh, Electro Dominance deals two damage, uh, X damage to a target, and you may play a card that's costed X or less from your hand. So this is an enabler for um, the time spiral suspend cards like Living End, Ancestral Vision, uh, Wheel of Fortune, uh, Restore Balance, etc. And a uh, little no known fact here uh, a year ago, um, before humans really broke out, the Mono Blue Living End, uh, as foretold deck, um, was having a pretty good run. And I played it uh, and tested it quite, a, uh, quite extensively, and it was pretty good. It had a very good uh, matchup against non disruptive creature decks, and it crushed the blue control decks. However, the fun police that is a human showed up and uh, burn, etc. And uh, I put it away. But um, this is an extra enabler for um, uh, ancestral vision and as foretold as well. And there's an ability to put the, uh, cast those cards at instant speed, which I think is very good as well. So I, I think um, besides that application, I also think there might be a potential with um, taking turns uh, shell that's blue red with as foretold. Will Fortune, uh, living, uh, living, uh, living End as a board wipe and uh, uh, ancestral, ancestral Vision as well. So anytime you can shoot a mana like this, um, I think there's uh, potential for abuse. And uh, I think um, this card's good. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some time uh, after my trip uh, testing this. Wow. I, I'm very intrigued. <laughs> Are you talking about this guy? <laughs> I see a list on the on the Facebook chat. Uh, it, it was actually a rising deck, and you know, just like humans, just put a real damper to it. But yeah, cheating on mana is good. Um, uh, casting those time spirals, spend cards are very good. Uh, so I, I think it can work. Whoa! Yeah, I didn't I didn't think about that in context of those cards. All right, I'm gonna let you talk about our spoiler card. Actually, I'm just gonna make sure I do the social media stuff first. <laughs> um, do you think it's going to see play in not just modern, but perhaps legacy? Do you think this card? Perhaps not legacy. Like I know there's hypergenesis, for example, but that, I think that deck's being explored and kind of discarded. But I don't know. It, it also kills hate bears for, uh, um, for a large cost. So that's a non-zero... Um, value as well so it's more probably more of a modern card i think that's too it's not powerful enough for a legacy okay Gattic, Gattic shuts it down rude 
Breed. I think this card is going to be very constructive playable. I think Elliot would agree with me. Our assessment that it's going to see some play limited, but it's got the cutest and best art. And uh, I think at first, at least I didn't notice the art. I think John didn't really notice the awesome art. And uh, here we go. Here we go. John, uh, I'm going to let you take it away. Uh, hopefully you can see it from, from my screen here. Yeah, so this, I guess this is our exclusive uh, preview card called Guild Mage, uh, representing uh, the Cult of Rakdos really hard here, uh, black and red. And uh, I think what stands out to me the most, first of all, is the art. The art is not, not like Nutter Butter, it's got Jace there. Like, adorable. But uh, as we talked about here, I think um, it is a very cheap uh, uh, spectacle enabler, and it's, I think it's going to be. Pretty good, depending on the quality of the uh, common and uncommon uh, spectral cards. And uh, I, I just, I just can't stop looking at the art. <laughs> it's awesome. Is Rakdos is keyed up with the uh, gathering of the jugglers for the next performance? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Elliot. How, how do you? What do you think about this card? Yeah, I think it's definitely not a standard card. But a bunch of the cards that we've seen spoiled for Rakdos so far have kind of been oh, like decent on raid if you cast them, but actually kind of become pretty good if you have uh, their ability Spectacle. So this being a consistent Spectacle enabler, you pay red and tap it to do one damage to a target opponent or Planeswalker. I think that's, that might end up being pretty good. Uh, I don't think this is as good as you know something like the blue-black guild mage we had in the previous set but we've seen a couple of the other guild mages from this set, and this seems pretty much on par with those ones, so I think it's going to be you know, pretty good and limited. Uh, the other ability it has is three and a black tap. Target player discards a card, and you can only activate that as a sorcery. Uh, maybe not as good. You probably don't want to be taking a turn off in the early to get to like be activating that rather than advancing your board, but who knows? Maybe you have a hole in your, in your curve. It's you know not the end of the world to make your opponent discard a card. So it could definitely be a player in limited. Is it a first pick? No. Is it an enabler you want in some or most of your Rakdos decks? Probably. And I think you're going to be pretty happy picking up uh, at least a copy of these in your draft. And uh, I think a lot of sealed decks are going to be happy to have one of these as well. Uh, quick question. Does anybody know how we draft this format? <laughs> it's, it's 3x, 3X uh, Ravnica allegiances. It's 3 it's from the one and two uh, format for uh, for good, I think it's triple uh, going forward. It's triple. It's triple this. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe this is a first pick. I don't know. Ooh. I like it. I think this card's like good. It uh, it puts you in a color, an archetype early, and if black red's the best archetype, this um, this might be one of those cards that really like forces it. Uh, I think it sort of reminds me of like the Boros Guild Mage, which actively wasn't that good, but was uh, was a pretty big signal I found. Um, I think like actually Healer's Hawk was like the best card for that archetype, but I don't know if there's a Healer Hawk in this format like card. So we'll see how the archetype shapes out. Like if um, if Spectacle is something that really needs to be turned on for your deck to be good, then this card will definitely be good. Um, Otherwise, it might just be a bear that's really hard to cast. <laughs> Why couldn't they just print Rakdos Ixpitter? That card was whew, so good. Andy, any, any words on this card? 
I like it. It looks like one of those uh, limited role players that will steal some games sometimes because some like some decks unlimited will have a super hard time against the discard effect. And also some of those same decks will have a hard time against getting pinged over and over again. So and like the fact that it can enable the the keyword for for that uh, guild means that I think it's going to be pretty powerful. I I would predict that its playability is just like Derek said akin to the Boros guild mage where like it looks like it should be pretty good. It ends up being a little worse than you thought originally, but still just a good two drop. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I always love two drops with uh, re- relevant abilities late in the game where you hopefully draw this and, and you need that little bit of reach to get there and uh, he's going to do the job for you. Okay, so I'm going to be posting this on our Twitter for people who want a, high qual- a higher quality version of this card image. I know people are already going to be a lot of our viewers always just screenshot it and post it on Salvation, post it on, on Reddit already. Um, at least mention the show. At least mention the show. Okay, let me stop this. Are day, gone are the days of Azorius Guild Mage. Yeah, yeah, that was... Man, that, that block of uh, specific... There's some specific Guild Mages there that were just like bonkers no matter when you drew them. The Selesnia one got uh, Raynad banned. That one was really good. <laughs> oh, speaking of bannings, Burton Cheney got banned. I don't know if that's something we wanted to yeah, bring well, up because it's it's been a it's been a topic of conversation for a bit. No, sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely no, we'll definitely finish the show on this topic, Derek. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't happen often, even if it's really big news for something to reach the top of the Reddit charts that is not new spoiler. Once new spoiler season, it doesn't really matter what's happening. Uh, even though it's, it's something that you might think is amazing, it's not going to get up there because you know, people are excited about previous cards. But this is at the top of the list. Alex Bernchini, banned for life, 3.3k upvotes. And most people are saying you know, about goddamn time and, and uh, other types of comments. Uh, when this was posted, I think our initial re- reaction in our Facebook chat was like, okay, is this uh, because of they finally changed their mind? Is this something recent that happened? And um, like people have been telling us, like some people who have been going to different Western GPs uh, have stated that they've seen Alex uh, participate in all like the major events in that area. And now recently we're, we're speculating, there's reports that he tried, um, he used an ancient stirrings uh, to, to get a card that you can't get with ancient stirrings. Um, hardened skills. He got hardened skills with it. And there was some other thing that there was a bribery report um, as well. Uh, Elliot, was that, is that correct? Yeah, I saw a post saying that he, he offered like a, you know, I'll concede in exchange for 90% of the tickets you win <laughs> or something in the in the last round of a double up or something like that, maybe a PTQ. Uh, and I also heard another story where apparently he looked at his deck while, sh- while riffle shuffling it. And like, according to the person could very clearly, very clearly was looking down to see the cards. Uh, and apparently that led to a pretty lengthy investigation. Uh, I'm not sure what that led to, but I, I don't think he was DQ'd. Um, and and the the ancient string story I also heard as well was like more of a local tournament thing, not even a, not even at a GP, and he ended up getting disqualified. 
uh, after so a pretty it? lengthy investigation. Uh, the story I read was that he cast an ancient stirrings and put a hardened scales in his hand, uh, which if, if you're not familiar with the deck, I mean, the deck's called hardened scales. So it's just, if you could do that, it would be insane. Uh, and then someone kind of noted, the person who's playing, playing as noticed and said, hey, you can't do that. And he said, oh yeah, you're right. And undid it. And then after the match, they approached the judge and said, you know what, I think, I think that wasn't a mistake. And that led to an investigation where the, the judge ended up ruling that, you know, it was pretty obviously Alex cheating and, and that resulted in a DQ. So it's, this is definitely something people have been wanting. It's definitely something that it's been a long time coming and I'm, I'm happy it happened. I, I love to see cheaters get banned. I, I hadn't followed Alex that closely. I didn't know that he actually gave like a, a presentation at a judge conference recently. Yeah, at, there was a judge conference at Grand Prix uh, Vancouver, and he gave a presentation on how to catch cheaters, uh, much to the chagrin of the community once it came out, because you know people started realizing like, hey, if we have if we have like a known cheater teaching people how to catch cheaters while he's active, he could just kind of skew everyone towards you know these are the things to look out for while doing the total opposite and still cheating. So I think that was a, a bit of an oversight by whoever booked him for that. Thankfully, I, I don't think he got paid to do it. So, you know, maybe it was, maybe it was out of the kindness of his own heart, but a uh, bad look either way on, on the organizer of that event. And uh, especially in hindsight. Man, uh, the story, the story, thinking back, the story is kind of crazy that, uh, you know, he, he was scared. It, it seemed like he was scared to be lifetime bad. So he came up with this blog like this new me thing, defending himself, and subsequently now he's he's lifetime bad. Andy, I, I know you're you're super happy. You've got to be stoked. About yeah, new year, new me. See you later, Alex. <laughs> but uh, obviously, it's the same uh, same thing. Like he he never stopped, which sucks because like I felt more positive than most people did after like reading his. Uh, whatever you want to call it, his thing he posted. I was like, oh, this is, uh, this is interesting. Like, uh, I don't believe him, but I'm glad he posted it. And now it sucks that it just obviously was full of it. But bye. <laughs> John, I don't think, I think our opinion, we don't have much opinion about it. It's just like, it's a, it feels like um, it's about time and it's, it's good that they've decided to go all the way to a lifetime ban. Meanwhile, we've always wanted them to be a little heavier in the punishment um, in the in multiple instances, and and to see them finally like go there, I, I think is we just feel good about it. Um, yeah, I, Derek, John, I, I don't know if you, or Marcus have anything to add. Sure, why not? Uh, so I played a GP with Alex, uh, the team GP in Toronto. Uh, he's actually a friend of mine. I've known him for like seven, eight years. Uh, and uh, I will say without a shadow of a doubt, he definitely didn't even do anything remotely considering cheating in uh, in Toronto because I sat next to him the whole time. Uh, in fact, I want to say multiple people tried to cheat him rather than the opposite. Uh, and uh, there were multiple instances where they actually tried to cheat against him. Uh, Jeremy Dizani tried to do it with Brainstorm. Uh, there was like multiple other things about it, but I mean, it is what it is. He's banned for life and there's not really much point of talking about it or really kicking him while he's down. So. Agreed. Agreed. Um, 
Okay, so what, what's next for you, Marcus? What's the next tournament? Uh, so that would be, well, it was the RPTQ, but I can't play in that anymore. So it'll probably be the face-to-face open. <laughs> yeah, dab, dab on the haters. Uh, it'll probably be the face-to-face open, I think, in like, I think it's uh, today. Today's the 7th. So it's like a couple weeks at the end of the month. And then after that, it'll be uh, Grand Prix Toronto. Right. Which uh, I think is double modern. So uh, Tron and Tron, most likely. Unless uh, I feel like playing something else, which is probably a no. <laughs> I love it. I love it. John, uh, what's next for you? Oh, I'm going to be traveling to Asia for uh, for almost a month here. But um, yeah, unfortunately, I'll be missing the uh, missing the uh, face-to-face open. But uh, I, I'm hoping to go to Calgary for the uh, Grand Prix in March. But uh, I guess uh, New, Year, New Year's goal is to like learn Legacy somehow. I've been exploring... Um, some decks here. I've been talking to Cyrus. I've been talking to Bob Wang, uh, who's got a pretty good handle on Legacy. And I think I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put my foot down and just uh, try to try to learn Storm. And uh, Cyrus is obviously a very good a uh, very good resource here. He was a he was our teammate at Vegas. He's one of the best Storm players out there. Period. So um, uh, I'm gonna start watching the stream. I'm gonna start learning lines. And uh, yeah, hopefully Storm's not too hard for me. Uh, John, we had we had a private conversation uh, just recently, and and I wanted to know what your mindset is that, uh, in terms of uh, now that you're going to learn legacy and improve into it. What's what's your mindset when it comes to limited? Oh yeah, so uh, I, I was having a conversation with you, uh, KYT. You know, I've been doing a lot of drafting for the first time. Um, in case people don't know, I started playing like maybe a year and a half ago, and my first exposure to limited was literally my testing for PT Dominaria and. Um, it's very easy to consume literature and, you know, look at pick orders, look at signals, etc. The concepts are fine, but, you know, um, I feel like I drafted a lot of UMA and uh, I, I got a pretty good handle of the for- format, but I just felt like I kind of plateaued in terms of my learning and uh, improvement uh, in limited. So, you know, I was actually asking KYT about uh, how to improve and all that. And I, I, I just think it's really about just playing more you know I, I don't play limited um nearly as much as i do constructed so perhaps a, another goal for me this year would be to you know just be pretty intimately um involved in draft um for every set and uh just try to go along and understand different sets and you know different sets of different um objectives you know whether it's you know just picking a right guild in um guilds or picking the right archetype in uh, uma etc every set's gonna be different so I just feel like, you know, it's all by fire. And, you know, hopefully next time I um, fight for the P- uh, PT, um, I'll be more ready for it. I just thought of a good idea now that the First Strike family has grown uh, with all the ex-co-hosts and new co-hosts that we could actually, and most of us have streamed before, that we could actually do like an eight-person live draft. And that would be a sweet idea. So then uh, we can we can have Derek Derek's cocky skills at test that nobody can draft. Well, nobody knows how to draft. Nobody like, knows how to draft. Nobody knows how to draft. How many drafts have you done of this format? And like anybody on the panel, I want to know. Like I've done zero. You may. No, no, no. Uh, what, what's the format? Ravnica. Ravnica. Yeah, yeah. I've done I've done two, and it was at GP Montreal. I drafted twice, and they were both at GP Montreal. Yeah, right. I played, I played the pre-release. Yeah, <laughs> nobody plays limited because the, because like limited to spew, everybody's bad at magic. 
everybody on this show has like qualified for the PQ or better with constructed and like we'd consider ourselves good players. <laughs> Everybody's bad at limited. I mean, I think I played probably like thirty or forty UMA drafts. I've really not a real format. Not a real no, not a real format. You guys only played it because it was GP Vancouver. I enjoyed it. I thought it was like one of the funnest drafts. Having fun with Magic is so twenty eighteen. It's twenty nineteen now. <laughs> that's why we're misplaced ginger. Hey, maybe that's, that's true. That's a yeet. Like, have all of us just qualified via constructed? Actually, my first was limited. Yeah, my first was also limited. <laughs> well, there goes, there goes that theory. Uh, definitely, uh, John, for, for that one, I actually drafted a ton on Moto to, to know the format and got lucky to open you know, at least one copy. I had one, one single copy of Triplicate Spirits, but that card was just nutter butters in that format. Uh, what's, what's next for you, Derek? Uh, probably GP Toronto. Um, I wasn't qualified for the RPTQ, but I also can't play it. Um, and then, uh, whatever GP is local between Toronto and April when I play the mocks and, uh, PT London. Ooh, I love that. So, I love the start. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Basically nothing. Y'all can catch me Calgary? on the, the wizard stream in... April 2nd to 4th, 5th to 7th. I don't know when, how time works. I'll be, I'll be out there and they'll be like, they, they show my, uh, my moto statistics. So if all you haters want to see my moto records, uh, y'all can come out to play and uh, <laughs> check on your boy. <laughs> uh, Elliot, what's up next? I have GP New Jersey at the end of the month. And then I have a super busy February with GP Toronto, then the RPTQ, and then the PT back to back to back. So I hope that's the luckiest two week stretch of my life. That yeah, I hope so too. That that's also a lot, lot, lots of <laughs> high level competition, high level magic for you in a in a short period. Uh, Andy, I have whatever GPs at the end of this month, and I have the RPTQ, and I'm allowed to play in it. <laughs> Sucks to suck. Wow, that's the real black <laughs> <laughs> Andy gets to crush people at the RPTQ, and I don't get the pleasure to do so. I don't get a noble hierarch. This is bullshit. Wait, when is it? I think I'm qualified. If you did, quali- <laughs> if you did qualify and uh, for the RPTQ, you do still get the noble. Just oh. so you know. <laughs> Only there. if you qualified for the RPTQ, though. I did. Won the. I did not. RPTQ the format, baby. Easy. Do you, you know if I'm allowed to play the LCQ? Elliot, you're a judge, right? You can't play the LCQ. Ah. <laughs> no $60 for you. I, I actually know someone who at the last Montreal RPTQ back in December tried, sorry, was hitting bronze or silver after the Montreal RPTQ, like on the Monday after. So they were not allowed to play in the RPTQ, but could play in the online RPTQ that was the week after. <laughs> Wizards. And, and they were told that if they played in the LCQ for that RPTQ, they'd be forfeiting their invite for the RPTQ that they didn't have the invite for. I believe that's the, the term, yikes. This is why you just spike PTQs and don't have to worry about this stuff. The last time I played a pre-TQ was like eight months ago. It was great. 
paper I just, events. I just won the first one for the last three formats, so I haven't really done anything. Man, the the pressure's on Andy. These guys, these guys have been crushing. So let's do this. Andy has like a real life and a real job, so I think he's winning. Uh, if we yeah. ever have like a real life podcast, we can all just listen to Andy. Yeah, me and Ginger probably bottom of the barrel for that one. John's flying to Asia, so it's like you're going to the pro tour. I'm engaged, I'm in school, <laughs> and I have a job. Hey, I never said I wasn't engaged, I'm engaged to the game. Hey. How do you get this good? Come on, I mean, <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, if, if you guys want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash first strike Elliot. Uh, posted it during the holidays. Provide us with the KCI supplement. Uh, or no, no, not the su- we, we, We're going to call it the supplement, but you came out with the, the manifesto. <laughs> the manifesto. I love that name. The manifesto to supplement the matchups that wasn't it part of the manifesto that people in First Strike Nation wanted. Also provided a mill guide. So, uh, <laughs> and so go down to uh, patreon.com slash first strike and uh or you know just leave a comment like this channel do whatever subscribe to us on podcast apps and uh we love it marcus thank you so much for coming on a second time we hope you crush another tournament and we hope to that you'll be happy to come back on once again i appreciate and, uh, it super uh, always fun to have you on especially with you and John and, and the chemistry you guys have. And uh, that's it for, for us. And uh, thank, God, thank you for tuning in. And we'll quick, see you guys next week. Can I do a quick shout out? Yeah, go ahead. Fucking team face-to-face crushed it this weekend. Fucking Ely Cassis wins the GP. Edgar top four is the SCG. Uh, everybody was crushing it. Also, that's yeah. to Omar Belden, second place to the SCG as well. I got comments that uh, from from different first strike fans that they're like, man, they're butchering Edgar's last name in four at least four different ways on the stream, and uh, I don't know how they could do that, but uh, I'm gonna have to check the archives for that. What is it, Mega? <laughs> so many, so many constants and values, man. Yeah, there's definitely too many combos. Yeah, with that, uh, we will see all of you next week. Ciao, guys. 